Well, it's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and this is news that you can use from Car Edge for, well, Wednesday, October 25th, with your host, me, dressed like a pumpkin, Ray, and, well, a finisher from the Austin Marathon, Zach. How are you today, handsome? I am thoroughly amused by your commentary. You do look a little bit like, ooh, in the orange watch, too, you do look a little bit like like a pumpkin, man. I dig it. I absolutely yeah. dig it. This is the color I turn when I am engulfed in flames like our thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's kick things off, folks. Car dealers can't sell overpriced cars. The tide has turned, Dad. Q3 quarterly earnings from OEMs this week. Yes. Q3 quarterly earnings from car dealers out this week. We're going to run through a few of them. The headlines all look eerily similar. Let me get them up on the screen. We'll start here, Dad, with Lithia Automotive. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the largest car dealer in the United they, States. They are indeed. Lithia. Q3 net income slips 20% record revenue. Mm-hmm. That being said, their actual profit, the net income, dropped $265 million year over year let's start no, here no, then no, I'll jump. No, it dropped to 265 million dollars it didn't drop to 165 million dollars thank you drop to yes yes they yes. still made 265 million dollars which yes. is a ton of money but that down 20 percent year over year an indication that dealers are having to start to eat into some of those incredible profit margins they saw last year as consumer demand dries up that's what this said to me what does it say to you um, it says pretty much the same thing. I, if you read into the article, even though they're making well over $5,000 per vehicle sold, that number is a huge decline from the previous quarter. So um, they're still selling cars. They're not making as much money per car sold as they had been, and their costs are going up in order to sell those cars. Um, so I don't know that it means that dealers can't sell overpriced cars. It just means that they can't sell them as quickly or for the same type of profit margins that they had in the past. Well, that's certainly the trend that we're seeing because look, Dad, Group 1 Automotive, their net income down 16.7%. Again, still making a boatload of money on every vehicle sold, but profit margins are coming down. Penske Automotive Group down 23%. They're all the way down similarly to $264 million in net income, but again, down 23%, a non-trivial amount, and as very automotive down 17% in terms of the amount of profit they're able to make. So you are probably out of something. Can they not sell these overpriced cars? No, they're selling them. Can they sell them with as much profit as they had been selling them for? No, that's the evolution. And that is the return to normalcy that we saw in years past. Dealers should not make in a normal world on average, five or what was it? It was five thousand. That was down fifteen percent. So what would yeah. that have been? Nearly six thousand dollars on every vehicle sold. That is too much. That is just too much. It's absolutely <laughs> well, too much. Um, prior to the pandemic, um, it was nowhere near that number. On the new car side, of things, new cars. Yeah. yeah. On on the new car side of things, um. Average front-end gross profits, not including finance, but the front-end gross profits, 
were somewhere between two and three hundred dollars per new car sold. That did not include whatever they were able to make in the finance department, but today that number is probably ten times that prior to F and I. Um, and if dealers could make a profit for the year when they were only making two to three hundred dollars front end profit on new cars, uh, well, then certainly they can be making big profits when it's ten times that. But the normal would be if if we could get the front end gross profit to a thousand dollars per car then cars might become more affordable for more people. Uh, so part of it is uh, the manufacturers have increased their pricing so much that nothing seems affordable. The dealers have held tight to their gross profit structures that they've grown accustomed to over the past three years. And uh, they don't want to give that up. And they're still finding enough people to agree to it. So here's a really interesting dynamic within all of this. Our platform, CarEdge, what we do, by the way, still continuing to hire. So if you're interested in joining our team, caredge.com slash careers, that's where you can apply. That There are so many people that see how terrible the car buying experience is and yes. know that the, the way that that operates is going to look different in the future. These big auto, uh, uh, auto dealers, car dealers, they know this just as well. And so they've all invested in these <clears throat> spinoff brands. And so we're talking about Asbury, for example. Asbury, their net income was down 17% year over year. Mm -hmm. Well, Dad, their per vehicle retail, they're making about $4,000, about $1,000 less than when we were looking at lithium. But Asbury, there's smart people over there at Asbury. They've invested in something called ClickLane. What is mm -hmm. ClickLane? ClickLane is their Carvana competitor, their CarMax competitor, their whatever you want to call it competitor. It's their buy from home and you know get a great deal competitor. They are so proud, and this is yeah. amongst all of these big publics, they're so proud that they actually make $1,000 more in profit. You can see it right there. It says front-end yield of $5,168. So you're seeing this almost like these dealership groups are leveraging the fact that they're starting to make less with people going to the dealership because they're negotiating, they're doing their thing. But they're finding ways to make even more through these like buy at home online type of programs. And you and I have talked about it ad nauseum on this channel and on the Car Edge channel. Going to CarMax and Carvana, you are not getting a, I don't, I don't want to say you're not getting a fair deal. You're definitely not getting a good deal. You're paying for the convenience. And you're you see not, it in those numbers just as well. You're not getting a great deal. Okay. In the sense <clears throat> that you might be paying more than you would if you negotiated. Yeah. But for people who hate the process, as far as they are concerned, they got a great deal. And the reason they got a great deal is they got a great experience. Okay. They didn't have to go through all the BS. They didn't have to listen to all the sales pitches. They didn't have to have games played. They could go online. They could see what the price is. They could say, I want it. And it's done and they what it proves is people are willing to pay more to get a better less hassled experience that's what it proves and, Do you and, not, these, yeah, and 
and look the, at the gross profit numbers from Click Lane. I mean, yes. they're they're showing it just as well. Yeah. Yes. So they're they're helping to prove that. CarMax has never been a place where you go to get the best price on a vehicle. It's where you go to get the best experience purchasing the vehicle. There's a huge difference. And and what companies are understanding is people are willing to pay for that pleasant experience. Hmm, might be on to something. All right. So again, can dealers sell used new cars that are overpriced? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Their profit margins are coming down. We actually, Dad, I didn't even queue it up for today's show. I should have. When I was looking at the numbers over at um, uh, at Asbury, their available inventory, on-ground inventory, is up 45% year over year, yet their actual sales were up only 5%. So we have a growing pool of inventory. We know that floor plan costs, interest rates that the, the dealers are paying to hold on to that inventory is going up. The amount of profit they're holding per vehicle will. It has to continue to go down. I don't see how that changes if consumers continue to stop purchasing vehicles or postponing their purchases because interest rates are so high. So I anticipate when we get fourth quarter earnings, we will continue to see downward pressure on dealer profits, which should be a welcome surprise for consumers out there. We are away from the times where dealers were making six, seven, eight thousand $8,000 for every vehicle that was sold. I, I that would, was the normal a year ago. I would suspect as much as well. I do have, um, did, did they break out how much their, their, um, costs of flooring their inventory have grown while their inventory levels themselves have grown i don't have that data queued up i bet you that'll come out tomorrow in auto finance news it's somewhere i'm sure in the uh in the quarterly report that they put out i would imagine that for all these automakers their floor plan costs have gone up materially year yes yes the expense of 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 their growing inventory levels is is escalating faster than what they would normally have been used to. And that's because three years ago, two and a half years ago, floor plan interest rates were probably in the two and a half to three percent range. Today they're in the six and a half to seven percent range. So if you went from having really limited inventory and low interest charges for that limited inventory, that was not much of an expense. But to suddenly have growing inventory at a interest rate that is double and in some cases three times as much as what it was, that's a significant change for these major publics who have hundreds of thousands of vehicles um, you know, and obviously it's all all facilitated with lines of credit. Yeah, and it's coming off the heels. I mean, we have seen this year multiple large dealer groups file for bankruptcy, close their doors. We had uh, off lease earlier earlier this year, American Car Center before that, shift recently. So mm-hmm. obviously, floor plan costs, how expensive it is to hold on to those vehicles, paired with Margin compression is, I think, what the the smart folks call it. The margin is being compressed because they can't sell it, costing them money every single day. We were talking about this yesterday. I mean, well, we should talk about it live here. We were talking in private about this yesterday because we're we're truly seeing the impact of that. We have dealers now in our network, and they're coming to us saying, "Hey, help us sell cars! Like, please help us sell cars." It's like, well, guys, you got to lower the prices some more. Like, like you got to lower the prices. 
the prices are too high because the, the OEMs made them too high, but also you're trying to make too much money. Like when there's not demand, what do you do? You got to lower prices. All the big publics, their data is showing that that is exactly what is happening right now. And I think that if I may, to the comment here from, uh, um, you know, from, oh no, Mr. Bill 798, uh, Zach, as you have said in the past, wait until end of year if you can purchase. Yeah, I think so. There's just going to be even more pressure at the end of the year. The OEMs are going to want to make their numbers look better. The dealers are going to want to make their numbers look better. End of year will be a fine time to be to be in the market. And and we know that the manufacturers are increasing their incentives, um, in some cases rather dramatically. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I've always said that the end of the year is the best time to buy a car. It's not going to change this year. It'll still be the same. Um, you know, what? what's changing is that if there's fewer people in the marketplace, then you have to become more competitive to attract one of those potential customers to come to your location. And as, as my area vice president, when I was at Penske, used to always remind us, Ray, if the customer hasn't said yes yet, you haven't lowered the price enough. You know, I mean, realistically, when people come into dealerships where they know that they're going to have to negotiate, the thing that ultimately seals the deal is you've lowered the price enough so that they feel as if there's enough value to be able to say yes. And if you're if you're in competition for that same customer, and there's very few of those customers, then you have to be much more aggressive in your pricing to get them to say yes. And it's even happening for the import brands. We spend a lot of time ragging on the domestics here because their inventory levels are quite high. They're dealing with all this stress with the UAW. Dad, look at this from Cox Automotive. Hyundai, yes. their earnings coming out soon. Hyundai Motor tripled incentives still lower than before pandemic. In total, Hyundai Motors spent an average of $1,890 per vehicle on third quarter incentives. That is up 317% from last year in the third quarter when it was merely $453. So this trend is happening across the board with the exception of probably Honda and Toyota, but even for some Hondas and some Toyotas, you're looking for a Toyota pickup truck, there is more incentive spending there. There's more margin compression for dealers. This is happening across the board. Is it dealers can't sell overpriced cars? Yeah, it is. It is. Is it at the level of like flames and the world on fire? No, of course not. But it is happening. Like that is true for even Hyundai. Dad tripled incentive spend year over year. To me, that when I saw that, whoa, mind boggling. Well, that to me indicates that one of the reasons they have to increase their incentives as much as they have is because they've increased their their MSRPs as much as they have, and in order to keep their vehicles at a payment price point, not the actual selling price price point, but a payment price point um, that requires them to incentivize the sales more with more cash or whatever, so that they can keep the customer at a payment that they still feel is affordable and acceptable. So even though we've seen MSRPs go up, we have seen corresponding increases in the incentives from most of the manufacturers that actually offset that that price increase in the MSRP. 
But the only reason it's being done, Zach, is to keep the monthly payment at a level where the customer can still feel somewhat comfortable saying, yeah, I, I can afford the average monthly payment of $750 a month. Um, so I will I will share this with you, Dad. Hyundai's average transaction price did go up in the third quarter by 3%. You have a gut check on what uh -huh. you think the average transaction price for a Hyundai vehicle is this is going to include kia and genesis as well in the overall you can also give me a guess for just hyundai or just kia if you'd like but what do you think because it did go up just a little bit well if it went up three percent it's got to be we got to be uh, getting pretty close to thirty-eight thousand dollars. i'm guessing <laughs> so good now, i don't even read the articles that you send to me but <laughs> <laughs> $37,253 is the average transaction price for the Hyundai brand. We actually saw a 5% increase in average transaction price for just Hyundai to $36,584. Kia is still the cheapest option in the Hyundai Kia family, $35,607. It stayed flat. And Genesis flat as well at $61,977. So to your point, incentives tripled because... MSRPs continue to go up. Average transaction prices continue to stay high. You need to find ways to fit people into payments. Again, we recommend use our free OTD calculator, out the door price, Google search the heck out of that if you're going to negotiate a car deal. At the end of the day, a lot of people are still, everyone's human, we're payment shoppers. So that's where the incentives come and, in. And, and the other thing that that to me is, is really interesting about this, um, their percentage of sales you know they're they're what number four in the country now they, they yeah the hyundai check. hyundai kia genesis brand um and we know we have talked about it extensively that there there have been engine issues and other issues with hyundai's and kia's and yet their popularity is continuing to grow. And the reason for it, in my mind, is that they're still affordable and people are willing to put up with the potential quality or engine issues that they've heard about in the past because, well, it's still affordable and yeah. it, it looks pretty good on the inside and the styling of the vehicles is pretty good. So, People will put up, and, and hell, they've proven this at Ford, uh, people would, would put up with a slightly lower quality or, or a service issue concerns if either the brand loyalty or the affordability. Uh, so th this is just more proof of that. In 2019, Hyundai Motor ranked the number seven uh, automaker in total U.S. sales. In the third quarter, it was number four, passing Stellantis, Honda, and Nissan, and lagging number three, Ford, by only 66,000 units without the benefit of selling a full-size pickup truck. There wow. you go, Pops, to your point. I mean, Hyundai Kia Group, they are... They are takeout pickup trucks. They're one of the largest automakers in the United States. They are, for many people, the affordable option, okay, that that still looks good style-wise, looks decent on the interior. So people are willing still to gravitate towards that affordable option. Um, 
regardless of quality issues or service issues or engine issues that they've had in the past. Um, people are price sensitive, and they're probably more price sensitive today than they have been in the last decade. Yeah. Well, at least with in my reason. mind. Yeah. Let's go early. We got a lot of them. Can you hit me with it? Really? You got to be kidding me. All right. First and foremost here, folks, we have Wisconsin Dealership Group agrees to pay $1.1 million settlement for accusations of junk fees and discrimination. The FTC in the state of Wisconsin accused Rhinelander of charging for add-ons without customers' consent and unfairly marking up the transactions of American Indian customers. Though it agreed to the settlement, Rhinelander denies wrongdoing. I'll give you the floor, good sir. Well, you know, let's face it. Um, you know, who who doesn't want to write a check for $1.1 million simply because you did nothing wrong? Yeah, absolutely. Let me write that check. I will say this one more time. I will say it till I'm blue in the face. Throw these sons of guns in jail instead of just fining them. Okay, if they're guilty of something, prove them to be guilty of something and don't let them buy themselves out of that guilty plea by saying, okay, we'll stroke a check for $1.1 million. Um, don't admit guilt. Promise you won't do it again. Please promise. And and um, uh, we'll, we'll pretty much let you off. No, throw them in jail. You know, there there is something fundamentally wrong when people can can flaunt the laws, break the laws as as uh, often as some of these dealer groups do, okay, and then stroke a huge ass check and not have to admit any guilt. If when Napleton Auto Group had to stroke a check for ten million dollars, if instead of stroking a check for ten million dollars, I don't know, one of the Napletons themselves had to spend. 10 years in jail, uh, well, then maybe they'd actually stop doing this stuff. But to, to, to make them pay $10 million and not admit guilt, just one time hold these, God, I can't say what I want. Just, 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 just hold them truly accountable. Make them pay, not dollars and cents wise, but with their time and in custody. Do you think? If you think for a second that the Napleton organization or the Rhinelander organization would continue to do what they're doing if, I don't know, the head of the company was, well, away from his family because he had to spend two or three years in jail. Do you think that they would really continue to do that? If the consequence for doing it was actually being separated from your family, living in a jail cell somewhere, um, I guarantee you this nonsense would stop. But no, we're just going to write that check. Don't admit any wrongdoing. We're good. We're good. Just, just in case anyone was ever curious if I would do something illegal, know the immense father-son disappointment I would face. Well, a, I don't want to do anything illegal, but holy crap, man, you are so passionate about this. Well, let, let, let me ask you a question. When you were a freshman at the University of Pittsburgh, yeah, 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 and I believe it was your third day there, your third night there, and you got busted for using a 
not one, but two fake IDs, um, for mm. and buying um, alcohol illegally. Okay. Yep. And when you called me, what did I say? I don't know. I was crying, man. Yeah, well, you were crying. <laughs> I said, well, you got to, there's consequences to this behavior. Your father's not just going to bail you out of it. I will help you find an attorney. You're paying yeah. for that attorney. You need to know that there's a cost associated with with doing things that you shouldn't do. Um, and and the heads of these organizations, of these dealer groups, need to know that there's a cost above and beyond just stroking a check that means nothing to them. Um and and that that cost could be and should be incarceration. That, okay, that, I mean, we're switching that, gears. Okay, I'll be good now. We're switching gears. We've got another story worthy of a really got to be kidding me. Vinfast, Dad, they signed up twenty seven potential U.S. dealers. Yeah, great. <laughs> Hey, but they got a hybrid model, not the car itself, just the sales model. Hello, <laughs> we talk, we talk forever about direct to consumer this, direct to consumer that, and then you have one of these direct to consumer brands. All right, we just signed up twenty seven dealers. It's not changing anytime soon, gang. We got to, we got to make it better, obviously, but I don't think it's changing anytime soon. Um, well, because it's, it's cheaper for them to find dealerships to absorb all these costs than it is for them. They realize it. That's why franchise dealers exist, because the manufacturers don't want to absorb all the costs of what it takes in order to be able to distribute all these vehicles and to service these vehicles and to do everything else that's involved with selling these vehicles. Um, yeah, exactly. They're learning. It didn't take them long. <laughs> exactly. All right, the third one for you. I'm conflicted about this one. I feel very conflicted. I posted this over on X. I said, Dad, I don't know if I should appreciate the fact that this dealer advertises their $12,000 markup on a Toyota RAV4 or if I should be angry. I guess it is better than going to the dealership and then they hit you with it. Yeesh. You have, Dad, an SRP, which again, Toyota has decided they no yeah. longer abide by the MSRP rules, then $4,000 in dealer installed accessories, and then $8,488 in dealer price adjustment, taking you up to a $60,741 Toyota Rav for I guess this is good. I think it's no, good. It, uh, don't guess. It is good. Yeah. It is good. I, I you you should give this dealer a gold star. At least at least they're being upfront and honest about it. Okay. So they deserve our praise for doing that. Okay. Now, whether or not they'll actually help them sell cars, I don't know. I would like to think it would at least the people know up front what they're what they're looking at. And as somebody said, yeah, the transparency of it all. Absolutely. We we should compliment them. We should praise them for it. This is what we want every dealer to do. Yeah. You know, whether you're adding a market adjustment, whether you're adding dealer installed accessories, put it out there for the world to see so people know what they're going to be expected to pay for it as opposed to advertising some bogus-ass price that you have no intention of selling that vehicle for. So you shouldn't be conflicted at all. You should, you, you, you should give them a gold star. You should praise them. You should, you, you, you should encourage others to do the same thing.
Car Edge dealer reviews is coming back in about a week, maybe two weeks from now. Um, great iteration from the team that my dad's seen it when we did a team team meeting. It looks great. We need to help identify these dealers that are transparent, whether you want to pay the adjustments or not. You know, but like we really, there's an opportunity as a community to identify the transparent, trustworthy dealers, and hopefully, you know, uh, they also have fair pricing, and we can we can give them our business. Dad, I just want to mention you shared my getting arrested. I've written about this. This was posted back on my website, chefska.com uh, slash arrested back in March of uh, March of 2016. So if anyone's curious, learned a lot from that experience. <laughs> and you taught me a lot from that experience. So I'll go back and I'll reread this and figure out what I learned. But yeah, thanks for outing me live on YouTube over <laughs> what happened to me when I was young and naive. And isn't, isn't that what parents do? They embarrass the hell out of their children. Um, so, so, and speaking of embarrassment, did you, did you, do you have that picture to pull up that I sent you? Oh yes, I do. Give me one moment. It's going to take yes. a second. Um, for a sec. Okay. Cause it's not often, it's not often that, um, if if you are a if you were born in in Phoenix Arizona and you were a Phoenix sports fan that you what what you know as a Phoenix sports fan typically is well disappointment. I mean, just when when we were season ticket holders to the Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals football team, uh, before we moved here, it was like by the third week of the season. The third week of September, we're looking at each other and we're going, well, wait till next year, because that's how bad our sports teams are. So here's a picture of my two children. That would be uh, Zach when he was a little husky uh, on the left and his sister Dara on the right when they were honorary bat kids for the Diamondbacks. And I'd like to take this opportunity to congratulate the Arizona Diamondbacks for a somehow figuring out a way to beat the mighty Philadelphia Phillies and making it to the World Series. Whether they will bring home a World Series title, I don't know, but it's really a great feel-good story um, for the residents of Phoenix and and all those who live in Arizona. And if you ever wondered why we we tend to support the Arizona teams, you know, my kids were honorary bad kids. That and uh, and they gave us really cheap tickets to cheap seats uh, <laughs> that we got to watch the games from when we went there. We'll be back tomorrow, folks. Noon Eastern, nine Pacific. Pops, thanks as always. You make a great pumpkin, and you look good too. <laughs> well, thank you, and and you make a great finisher, uh, <laughs> and you look better than me. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. You know, having said that, yeah, I well, you know, perhaps you are. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> but at least in Mar no, that doesn't even stop. Stop. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Oh, God, we'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Thanks for being here. <laughs>